Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 228 being recorded on Wednesday, July 8th, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and we have a special edition show for you today. Scott and I were asked by our friends at Verizon to moderate a panel entitled The 5G Future of Retail Post-COVID, Challenges and Opportunities, and we've been given permission to publish the conversation as a podcast. If you're interested in watching the video version, you'll find a link in the show notes. And so without further ado, here is Scott Wingo. Hi, I'm Scott Wingo, CEO of Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. I'm also probably best known as the co-host of one of the top podcasts in retail, The Jason and Scott Show. Today, I am joined with my co-host of the podcast, Jason Goldberg. Oh, where he is? Hey. I'll point this way. Hey, thanks, Scott. Uh, and I'm Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. I'm the Chief Commerce Strategy Officer at Publicis and, uh, more importantly, the co-host of the Jason and Scott Show. We are really excited today to host today's virtual event from Verizon called The 5G Future of Retail Post-COVID-19 Challenges, Opportunities, and Solutions. Uh, and uh, we've got some great guests to kick things off. As If anyone's been a regular listener of the Jason and Scott Show, you'll know that Scott can't pronounce names. So he's asked me to introduce our panelists today, which I'm thrilled to do. Uh, so leading off, we have Michelle Dupre. She's the group vice president at Verizon and a former guest on the Jason and Scott Show, I should mention. Um, and joining her, we have Christian Granalda. He is the director of 5G Labs and Innovation Centers at Verizon. And rumor has it he's paid by the word. So that's a great title. And then uh, uh, thrilled to also have um, an outside perspective, uh, Rob Dravenstadt, who's the CTO of a very cool company appropriately called Cooler Screens. And we'll hear more about that. Um, so, Michelle, Christian, Rob, we'd love to get things uh, started by letting the audience know just a little bit about each of you. So, Michelle, can you start by uh, sort of giving us your uh, a brief description of your role at Verizon? Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see everyone and um, hopefully everyone's safe and healthy. But, um, yeah, I lead a team at Verizon Enterprise Solutions um, in the business group, and we're focused on the large enterprise. So we have a retail focus, hospitality and distribution. So really, we had the opportunity and the privilege to work with some of the most recognized brands globally. And it's in really, we've been helping them drive innovation, thought leadership. But over the last few months, it's really about how do they improve their customer experience? And really, how do they have a line of sight is to get through 2020 and 2021 and beyond. So it's all about innovation, all about thought leadership, and all about brand recognition and promotion. That is awesome. Uh, Christian, care to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, everybody. Um, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm Christian Granalda, and I help run the 5G Labs and Innovation Centers at Verizon. Um, by the by, the word is they don't pay me by the word, unfortunately. Oh. I, I wish it was, but next time um, we got to negotiate that. I think the uh, the thing that we get excited about is that innovation piece around 5G, right? Our, our job is to go and help to kind of spread the word in the early days. We've been doing this for three, four years already. To help startups, academics, enterprises, and innovators all think about the new tools they're going to have to use to go and and grow their businesses and create new value for 
uh, industries like retail. Uh, we're going to be excited to hear more about that. And then, uh, Rob, can you tell us about a little about yourself and Cooler Screens? Sure. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Rob Dravenstad. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Cooler Screen. I have responsibilities for all of our technology areas, including our hardware, our software, our cloud-based services, uh, and our data platform. In case you haven't heard of Cooler Screens, we're a fast-growing startup uh, transforming retail cooler and freezer doors into IoT-enabled digital screens. Uh, we, we're really striving to provide a fully digital shopping experience to consumers in the cooler and freezer aisle. Uh, we're working with some great retail partners, in, including Walgreens, with uh, an expanded rollout. And uh, Verizon has been a really key part of helping us to get up and running and scaling uh, certainly our connectivity, our operations, and most recently announced uh, media sales partnership. So very excited to be a part of this conversation today. Awesome. Thanks for those intros. For about 45 minutes uh, about some retail trends, and we're going to talk about COVID-19 and the impact. And then, of course, we're going to talk about 5G. Excited to hear what Verizon's up to there. Uh, and we have reserved 15 minutes at the end for questions. Um, so I'll go ahead and, and uh, it, you, on your screen, you, you should see a Q&A area where you can enter your questions. So we look forward to seeing what uh, the audience is up to there. Michelle, let's kick it off. I'll kick it over to you. Um, the hot topic right now, of course, is COVID and what it's done for retail. Seems like it's kind of a tale of either feast or famine uh, based on what Jason and I have heard from, from various retailers. Uh, but I know you're in touch with a lot of retailers. What, what has been the biggest impact and, and what are you seeing out there and how are people evolving to react to this pandemic? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it, it truly has been what we've said, the tale of two cities. And, and I think it goes without saying is that one of the, the most poignant uh, you know, points that I think that we as consumers learn is the difference between essential and non-essential. So, so back in March, I think we quickly learned um, you know, what essential retail, what essential non-essential retail was. And it, it really, it, it catapulted those that were deemed essential into this theory of how do they serve their customers? How do they deal with some of the supply chain issues that we probably all experienced um, as consumers? And then it put a big pause button on those that were deemed that were not essential. And they really had to rethink about their digital strategy and how do they, you know, how do they continue to engage, entice their, their you know, their customers and their brand loyalists um, throughout this entire time. So um, it definitely was the tale of two cities. I think what we're seeing now is that there's some level of normalcy with supply chain, you know, quickly catching up um, and also retailers finding how do they accelerate their digital strategy um, throughout the summer. And then when you think about leading into back to school and think about leading into holiday, um, you know, what is that going to look like going forward? But it clearly, it, it turned them upside down without a doubt. And I think it really put the stress on them from an operational standpoint. You think about the, you know, their employees, the safety of their employees. And then also while they're dealing with the, the, the true retail aspect of their business, um, you also have to put in perspective that, you know, they have the supply chain, they have their fulfillment centers, their distribution centers, and also think about their knowledge workers or their corporate employees. So really kind of breaking it up in, into what we've seen is into three categories. How do they serve their customers? How do they fulfill and better serve their customers in, in this environment? And then also how do they, whether it's repurpose, reskill, um, you know, their knowledge workers to, to really get all, you know, rallied around 
um, the support of their customer and in, in fulfilling those um, increased demands that we saw early on. Uh, that that makes total sense, Michelle. I feel like I've seen some industry stats that there might have been like $250 billion of value that got transferred from retailers that were classified as non-essential, the ones that are essential. So that that uh, seems like it really created some winners and losers. Um, one of the things that's been interesting to me is um, that more than anything, it feels like COVID has dramatically accelerated some trends that we were already starting to see in the marketplace. And then maybe in a couple of cases, it's sort of uh, derailed some trends. Um, so I'll, I'll open this up to uh, Michelle and Christian. Like, uh, are there any particular trends you think of that, you know, have really been accelerated as a result of the pandemic and, and anything you, you feel like you were maybe bullish on before that, that uh, you're less bullish on now? I'll start and then Christian can definitely chime in. I, I think one of the areas that we saw, uh, you know, that accelerated going into holiday um, 19 that I think really took off is the retailers that were able to capitalize, um, you know, fulfilling from their local stores. Um, and whether that was shipping directly from their local stores or whether it was a buy in line pickup environment, I really do think that we've seen that accelerate. And I think we've also seen the growing gap between those that have been able to execute in that environment and execute very well. And then those that were on the momentum of, you know, accelerating or modifying their strategy in that space. And I think it's really um, it's paid dividends that I think that they they've recognized the importance of, of living in this physical digital environment, but also being mindful of the fact that, you know, how do they better serve their customers in that specific market? And how do they also give customers optionality? So I think those that were there um, accelerated and it just refined, um, you know, for purpose and for customer experience. And then those that were on that trajectory to, to really get ramped up for holiday, um, you know, this year, I think really um, just accelerated that digital deployment. So I, I, I think there, we're seeing that momentum. And I think one of the biggest, um, you know, opportunities that we've seen, we've heard this consistently across customers, regardless of vertical, was things that would typically take a company or organization months to do, they were able to compress within weeks and then sometimes days. So I think we've really set the bar that, you know, the, the agility of, of teams, the innovation, the leadership, um, you know, I think we've proven across the industry that, you know, when you put your mind to doing something, uh, you know, you, you throw, you know, you, you just throw caution to the wind, so to say, um, and you do what's right and you really focus on what matters. And that's, you know, serving your customers and also being able to uh, serve them in a safe and secure environment. Yeah, definitely. I think on, on our front, we see it in a couple different buckets, right? Um, when you have constraints, you have to innovate to, to get through them. And, and one of the things we've seen is the acceleration of people being able to do things remotely that you used to have to do in a physical environment. You, you have more customization, more personalization at the fingertips of uh, a consumer on their mobile device than you've seen in the last 10 years. And so that's, that's an interesting way to accelerate, to Michelle's point, things that might have taken months uh, happening in, in weeks. And, and, and that's one, one aspect of it. The other aspect is I think some of the content and engagement trends that we see around things like gaming and digital content um, being consumed at home and where folks are uh, on the go now, hopefully as they're getting back into the, the real world. Brands and, and uh, gaming companies are starting to think about new ways to engage on that front. And so how do you start to take the new content and entertainment consumption trends 
that are changing and shifting as we're seeing with our network traffic into the consideration of the overall customer journey from the time that you engage them as your brand to the time that they go and make a transaction. And so those two things are definitely converging in, uh, in our opinion. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Uh, you know, both of you talked about sort of the acceleration uh, of the pace of business. Um, I, I read one antidote from a retailer recently uh, at, the, at the very beginning of the shelter in place. Best Buy deployed curbside pickup at, in 800 stores in 48 hours. Um, and, you know, the normal pace of retail to deploy something like curbside pickup across an entire chain, um, you know, that that if you did it in three months, you'd be thrilled. So, you know, now the fact that 48 hours is the new normal uh, seems like it's going to be uh, uh, quite a different environment for retailers to be operating in. Yeah, and then uh, so we're we're recording this here on July eighth, and uh, I don't know if this is a Michelle or a Christian. Maybe we'll start with Christian this time. Um, ha, you know, so we're we're kind of starting to see things reopen. Um, people are getting back to work. We're, we're we're seeing some things there. What do you guys think are the big challenges that that are facing retailers as we reopen? Yeah, and and I think if you look at um, physical locations, it's it's retail, but it's also offices. It's also venues. It's uh, there's some commonalities between physical locations and getting back to work. And that's both as a customer, as an employee. And, and so there's things like, well, how do you schedule all of that? How do you make sure that you're um, a making sure that the social distance requirements with some variability state by state nowadays are, uh, are sort of uh, adhered to? And, and I think there's a, a, a need if you have locations across states or, or countries how do you go and manage all that um, in, a, in a sort of orchestrated way? So that's, that's probably one of them. And then once you have um, a guest or an employee in your location, well, what are the protocols to uh, implement? And I think there's a vari variance between folks that are doing things a little bit um, analog and folks that are doing things more on the digital forefront using technologies like you know, computer vision or different types of check-in um, to facilitate that, right? We talk about um, thermal thermal scanning and making sure folks don't have temperatures. I think even as we see this transition back into physical locations, employers, retailers, folks who are operating these locations all are thinking about these things across the spectrum. And I expect there to be different approaches, but I think the best and the brightest of them will have relevance as the transition continues to happen, but also into the long term as, as a normal course of business. Yeah, I, I would echo everything that Christian said. And I think the biggest challenge is, is they deploy the technology to support whatever that environment might be. Um, I think the unknown of what, what could change and then how quickly do they need to, you know, modify their strategy to adapt, um, you know, to Christian's point about the state, you know, what's happening, if there's a resurgence, it, you know, so I think it's just the, it's the unknown. Um, that really puts them in a in a, a a moment of how do we how do we plan for the future when we don't know for sure exactly what that future might be. I believe there's also there's other opportunities when you think about um, you know retailers and they operate in different environments, um, whether it's you know in the physical environment, the digital. It's just it's really again keeping up with the demand. And I think what we've learned and what retailers have learned over the past um, you know few months is that I don't know with the data that they gathered around you know consumer behavior. You know, if it's really how insightful is it going to be, or I should say, when is that data going to be insightful that they could start looking for patterns that they can start, you know, forecasting and, and doing some level of demand gen, um, 
you know, against it. So I think it's the unknown. I think it's the, you know, they have to get into this environment where everything, um, you know, to Christian's point about thermal scanning, uh, you know, facial coverings, whatever that might be, um, you know, that it becomes the new norm, but also being able to start and stop when we see um, uncertainty in the in the market that uh, would cause us all to to pause. Yeah, those are great points. One uh, minor clarification for Christian, you definitely want customers to have a temperature. I just don't think you want them to have a fever. Zombie sensor. Yeah. When, when my, my mom always used to say, oh, you have a temperature. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. That's why I tease my wife for that all the time. And she finds it super annoying. So I thought you guys would enjoy being annoyed as well. Um. Yeah, Jason, uh, one other item I would I would I would add in there. Uh, I think those are great points. I, I think the other uh, underlying concern is that customers probably have experienced now a lot of online shopping options for the first time that they might have never done prior to the pandemic. And, and you know, I've seen this personally in our family and certainly uh, I think on your podcast recently, you, you were quoting numbers of online uh, growth from 10 to 15 percent to closer now to 25 percent. And that's a whole new category of shoppers now that have had that online experience. Now trying to attract them back into the brick and mortar stores and giving them a sense of matching those expectations, I think will be a real challenge uh, for retailers beyond meeting all the safety and, and uh, reopening uncertainty that was mentioned. I think the expectations of consumers are actually going to be elevated uh, because they have seen what an online a curbside pickup option might be, a delivery option, and now convincing them in many of these cases that uh, a retail brick and mortar experience is still uh, the right answer for them, I think will be uh, certainly a challenge now that is going to be faced. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, Rob. I, I feel like, you know, in general, when consumers get used to digital experiences, they get used to these new amenities. You think about things like ratings and reviews or, or you know, um, filtering by attributes and things. And then, you know, once you go back to the store, uh, you, you expect those those same amenities. So I, I, I certainly think that's um, a, a likely change. And I, I'll, I'll expand that question to all three of you. Um, are there any other sort of customer behaviors or preferences that you think uh, have shifted as a result of COVID? And, and uh, would you expect those changes to be permanent or would you expect them to kind of revert, you know, when and if things ever get back to normal? Oh, maybe I should aim that at someone. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll start. I, I, I think what really the retailers, again, going back to the, the, the world that we've lived in and, you know, the essential, the non-essential, and I think there's always going to be the, you know, for the essential retailers, how do they keep up with the pace, the volume, uh, regardless of what happens and how do they serve the customers, um, whether it's in a physical environment, whether it's in, you know, a digital or somewhere in between. And then I think when you look at non-essential, I think it really boils down to, you know, they have to gain momentum, um, you know, and, in, you know, in the consumer, the customer engagement and in the brand affiliation. And I think that there's tr there's there's really an opportunity. Um, those that have been incredibly successful at doing this, I think that there's even more of an opportunity to do it going forward. Um, but I think it's really an opportunity is that as we get into this, you know, again, think about, you know, back to school, whatever that might look like, but then also holiday, you know, I don't think holiday in 2020 is going to look like any other holiday season that we've seen. And I think it's really striking the balance between knowing your customers before 
um, you know, the season, you know, the season is in its, in its, uh, you know, is in its peak, so to say, um, and really anticipate how do you think you're going to better serve your customers and what do they expect? So I, I think the, the view is, is what is this rest of the year going to look like um, with some very pivotal and, and key, um, you know, seasons for, for retailers? And then really, what, what do they learn, um, you know, in 2020 that they can now start applying as a steady state um, or a business as usual in 2021? Yeah, it, it seems like there's there's sort of three opportunity waves here for for retails to consider, right? But right now, or uh, or even over the last couple of months, are there opportunities to surprise and delight through these new digital engagements that you're through the constraint of uh, the pandemic forced to to start to think through? And and that's sort of the the first piece. And those who are adopting new engagement models or or moments within the experience probably are creating new moments to make their brand more um, valuable to that consumer. The second is well, as you get back into it, how how great can the curbside pickup be? How great can the experience be when you're getting back in to make you feel safe and secure and know that the retailers is thinking proactively to care for you and your family as you go um, back into the store. And the third is, and this, the things that Rob and Cooler Screens are doing uh, are illustrations of what the, the new digitally enabled uh, brick and mortar store could look like, right? It's more personalized, it's more engaged, and some of those components of digital and mobile are starting to be not only applied into the store footprint itself, but blended within the e-commerce experience at the same time. Those are some of the things that we believe 5G is going to start to enable as well. That's a good segue. But before we go into 5G, Rob, I wanted to, as a fellow startup guy, I wanted to uh, check in on you. Has the has the pandemic been positive, neutral, negative for, for cooler screens? Uh, I, I would say, you know, as a startup, we, we generally are probably more adept at adapting quickly to, to changing circumstances and pivoting quickly. I mean, generally, we we see now more opportunities probably than we saw prior. Uh, the, a lot of these trends with digital transformation, I think, being accelerated. Uh, retailers, first and foremost, are looking for efficiencies and ways to attract customers in their stores and, and certainly getting uh, sales lift. But I think uh, they're also going to be looking for new revenue opportunities that that maybe they they didn't have before uh, just to try to close that gap. Because certainly right now and for some period of time, there's going to be probably less traffic and, and reaching back to pre-pandemic uh, levels is not clear when that will occur. And so they're really looking to maximize as, as much of that experience as they can with those customers coming in the door and, and with our screens. Uh, we think that's that's certainly a starting point. We we can we can enable that very quickly in their environment. We provide that canvas, that opportunity for for customers uh, to get that interaction, uh, provide messaging, great product information, and then for retailers to to make some additional revenue through advertising that historically they weren't able to do. And I, I think other entrepreneurs out there who are thinking about this this or crisis uh, could really find some neat opportunities. I think to fill those gaps. And uh, with with crisis, I think people tend to move faster, and we're seeing that already with with taking advantage of those opportunities because it's a necessity at this stage. Is there an angle with your product that people will be touching the the interior products better? So if I can get a screen and get information, hundred people turning the orange juice around or something like that. Uh, so sorry, your audio cut out a little bit, but uh, the 
we don't our, our screens aren't touch which is actually yeah. uh which is actually a good thing i yeah. think in in this um movement and in fact it actually reduces the amount of times a customer has to open the door by having things yeah. much clearer much much easier to see uh you know and that was one of the benefits and why we saw immediately sales lift just through digitally digitizing the content on the screens and so we we think that'll be important you know, right now, of course, there's hesitancy in touching anything, uh, including the door. And we're thinking about how that might be um, and, uh, you know, way, ways that we can improve that with the engagement. But our, our engagement generally has been uh, through through things like gesture and, and motion and other things like that. Uh, and in the future, we're looking at things like voice as a way to, to mitigate that. So I, I believe we're already ahead of the curve in some ways uh, before the virus hit. But certainly customers are going to be more sensitive to that. Uh, here in the, at least in the near future. Yeah, I've uh, I've never used QR codes that much, and I've used them more in the last two weeks than I have in my probably last five years. So it's been interesting. All our restaurants, uh, you have to get the menu off a QR code. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, maybe that's something that you could integrate into the screens to you know reduce Absolutely. touches or something. Yeah, yeah, you will see that uh, sometime in the very near future. Our screen. Aha. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> this is a good time to to pivot to five G. You know, when I talk to kind of, I call it the Aunt G test, my, my Aunt Jenny, when I talk to her about 5G, it just feels like, uh, all right, you've got 4G and now you got 5G. So it's just going to be like maybe another bar on there or something, maybe 10% better. Um, Christian, give us kind of the, the you know, uh, for those folks that, that may not know all the awesome stuff coming with 5G, why, are, why should we be excited about it? And why should we then connect dots that it's going to impact retail? Yeah, look, I, I think um, if you... You take a, a, a DeLorean going 88 miles an hour back in time to the 4G launch. Um, you didn't really know back then what the app store was going to hold. What was it going to build? What, what new types of tools and services now that you've got broadband on a device, the ability to go and do all these things, the amount of economic value, both to individuals, to businesses and to society, um, jumped significantly. And, you know, Verizon was a big part of that. I think what we've been trying to do with 5G is start to explain it's, and to your aunt as well, it's, it's not just another G, right? And most people might see it on their, their Wi-Fi at home right now and say, I already have it. Well, the, the myth, the bust there is, well, one, um, 5G is a step change in the way that you think about building applications and, and hardware. Um, because now you have gigabits per second streaming down your your end device, right? You've got the ability for the 5G edge to act as uh, a form of compute for your application. And that means that now applications have super, super low latency. And um, for, you know, for, for your end, latency is basically, you know, how long it takes to get a reaction time. And now we're talking um, less than the blink of an eye um, versus what it was in the past. And so, it's fundamentally a step change in how you're going to have a new set of applications and services and experiences that you're able to go and start to proliferate. And, and part of what we've been trying to do is start to build those even before there's 5G devices in everybody's hands. Um, and so when you think about those capabilities, they're really new, never before seen tools for businesses, enterprises and consumers to adopt. And, and when you're talking about things being able to be streamed versus downloaded, or to have the download take seconds, right? One of the easy things is how long does it take to download a movie, right? And right before you get on a plane, when we were getting on planes, that was minutes or or a while in the airport. 
um, now it's seconds. It's, you know, you can ask how long has this downloaded yet? And it's already downloaded. And so, yes, it's faster, um, significantly faster. Um, but what it also means is the way that we experience the world. And we're talking about how, um, interfaces change, right? Gesture, voice. Um, these are the things that we think 5G starts to unlock because of all the power of the compute, because of all the power of the really, really massive bandwidth that at Verizon we call it ultra wide band, right? This, this is the real capability that you're, you're, uh, things that might today you want to work, they just work tomorrow. And there's new features that then get unlocked because of all these new, uh, new capabilities with the bandwidth, with the latency, with IoT being able to have massively more connections on, uh, on a, on a node than you have before. And that's something that's super relevant for, for retail as well. Um, and so these new capabilities are really game changing for us. And, if you had um, that that time machine, you'd you'd want to get into the the 4G world, the 5G world for folks who are starting to take note now. will have an understanding of really what the world is going to look like in the future, and hopefully have impact for their business, for their customer, and for for society. Uh, that that's awesome. And Christian, it's funny. I use the the DeLorean time machine metaphor all the time, and all the the hip millennials in my company make fun of me that it's an old dated reference. So I'm grateful. Oh, wow that we're in the same same cohort. Uh, they tell me that it's cooler if we use hop tub time machines for the future. So just if you wanted to you know. the, um, the Chernobyl, we just uh, the Chernobyl goes into the, the time machine. I like it. You got it. <laughs> um, so uh, great description of 5G. Uh, can we make it a little more real in terms of uh, like retail shopping experiences? Like what what shopping experience will be better or what new shopping experiences will be enabled as a result of the 5g deployment yeah so so i think when you look at um uh retail i think what 5g winds up doing and and what michelle has heard and, and can talk to for some of the the customers that she's uh she's engaged with and partners is is it really starts to blend the the front of house retail experience that might be employee or uh customer facing with the back of house operations and the supply chain, right? When you think about the IoT component, well, now you have a better understanding of um, devices, things you need to uh, monitor and sensor at scale and in real time because the latency on the network is is so low. So the visibility into the enterprise is now real time versus sort of um, somewhat delayed. And again, this is all uh, variable based off of where uh, the retailer is on their sort of digital transformation journey. Um, what that then might look like is, well, in a store, how do I now put all the things that a customer needs or wants or their preferences in their hands in the moment? And that's tied back to all the information that's now not only at the fingertips of the enterprise and the retailer, but also for the customer. And that, that creates this really, really interesting Fortuitous motion to help everybody's preference and transparency and visibility and efficiency for how they operate the business um, in in a motion that's you know we think five G starts to rapidly continue to to drive and and then when you think about the way that happens well sometimes uh, that might be an augmented reality sometimes that might be uh, using intelligent video and those are two things that from a platform perspective we think five G really starts to enable. And then the use cases are one to many on, that sit on top of that. So it might be an employee that's uh, trying to pick and pack for in-store distribution, and they, they can use augmented reality to help them do that in a faster manner. 
but it also might be the consumer who's got their preferences and can look at an entire shelf using computer vision and AR to understand things that um, might be more relevant or personalized for them or might have a, a, a different offer experience to, to happen. And, and really, we think all that starts to blend together based off of 5G. Um, and that, that brings up a great point. I feel like we, we've been talking about personalization in commerce for the last several years, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure the, the shopping experience is dramatically more personal today than, than it was a few years ago. Um, is, is 5G the missing piece that you think will, will really sort of unlock true personalized shopping experiences in the aisle for a shopper? I don't think there's necessarily a, a silver bullet one piece, right? I, I think maybe 5G is the the tide that's that's rising that helps all the different uh, ships go a long way further faster. Um, I think there there's got to be a multifaceted approach to personalization. And and Michelle and, and Rob have been in this more than I from a, a retail perspective, but there's a, a lot of different components, like I said, both on the front end, the back end, and the digital touch points that we're seeing today in a uh, at-home world that are starting to come together. And we think 5G can just make that happen more rapidly. And Michelle, anything to add there? Yeah, I agree with Christian that I think that it's it's there's multiple components, and I think when it all comes together, Jason is is really when the the you know the consumer is going to see the value and the benefit. Um, I think 5G will absolutely accelerate, but again, it, you know, it's more than just the underlying infrastructure and technology. Um, you know, it's the application, it's the, you know, how does the retailer, um, you know, present or how do they, you know, dissect what those preferences are and how do they serve those back to the, to the customer. So I think it's, it's a lot of different pieces coming together. Um, but again, if you solve for how do you deliver it to them in a real time or when they want it fashion, um, I think is, is step number one. And then I think the other opportunity, and Christian talked a little bit about this earlier too, is that when you think about, um, you know, content, I think what we're also going to see in the future is that I think that there's endless opportunities to to leverage content to make that that personalization. Today, it's you know, it's a one to many, or it's a it's a one of you know, based on recommendations, you might like this, um, but I think it really opens the opportunity and the door for the for the the blending of um, you know, content creation, personalization in a real-time environment. You know, we we like to talk about it as contextual, maybe more than personalized. So, uh, you know, especially in light of a lot more focus on privacy and and certainly sensitivities on that. And I think in the brick and mortar world, you know, we all have an opportunity to really uh, do that right and uh, you know avoid some of the pitfalls that have happened in the online space. Uh, but there's a lot you can do with contextual in terms of more sensors in the environment that can be connected more efficiently, I think opens up possibilities of, of understanding more about what's happening in the ecosystem, both what's happening in the front line of the store as well as in the back. That data can be used to more tailor that experience and streamline that process. Uh, so, so in the case of our screens, uh, as an example, if we know it's 5 p.m. on a Friday night and and it's a beer cooler, uh, we, we, we can certainly uh, target advertising, not necessarily to a specific individual, but to uh, likely a customer who's probably going to grab a beer and maybe wants to grab a frozen pizza too. Uh, so it's pretty powerful, I think, just with what you can do with additional data that certainly has been available for a long time in the online world. But now in the retail brick and mortar, as the cost of that connectivity decreases, the cost of hardware 
and ability to reach the cloud and, and other more efficient services decreases with, with 5G, uh, that will only open up the possibilities of being able to sense and now uh, streamline that that experience in the stores. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Rob. And I'm, I'm uh, reminded of something you said earlier in our conversation, talking about once those customer expectations get changed out of store, they get raised in store. Uh, one of the interesting trends in COVID is we've seen a lot of evidence that live streaming of commerce content has become uh, much more prevalent and effective. So particularly in China, um, live live streaming has really become a dominant form of e-commerce. And we've seen a lot of the U.S. platforms starting to lean into live streaming of video. So if, if that is happening at home, you can imagine once those customers return to the store, they're still going to want that that rich video content like on their mobile devices in the in the aisle. So um, that that feels like uh, one of the areas where 5G could be super helpful. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I am curious. So to me, it's super obvious um, the experiences that 5G enables on the consumer device in the store. Right. So, uh, you know, pre-COVID, for those of them weren't following, like we are starting to see new retail stores that required you to use your phone to even get in the store. So uh, like an Amazon Go store, um, the Nike House of Innovation, a lot of the experiences in the store are intended to happen on your phone. Uh, Walmart has a concept store called Sam's Club now that requires you to use your phone to shop and check out. Um, and, and so dramatically improving the bandwidth and latency to all of those consumer devices in the store that, that the benefits there seem like a no brainer. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, from Christian or Rob's standpoint, um, are there benefits to, the store's infrastructure in terms of customer experience? Like, does CoolSign get better because of, of 5G or or is, that, is it not as relevant for the sort of fixed uh, store infrastructure? Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, for, go, ahead. Or, go ahead, Rob. But I, I was just going to say, absolutely, I think it, it's, it's a big benefit. I mean, certainly we have firsthand experience of uh, seeing the existing store infrastructures in terms of connectivity. And it's one of the reasons uh, Verizon was our first phone call is the importance of having good high quality connectivity in the store for uh, providing services like ours, where we are in your words, uh, providing great 4K uh, video content. We have great product imagery. We're collecting uh, now uh, some great imagery of things like the inside of our, our of the shelves to be able to assess uh, in stock and out of stock of products. I mean, all those use cases require uh, really good bandwidth, and and today's retail environments, unfortunately, most most stores don't have uh, great bandwidth. As you mentioned, a lot of consumers probably have more bandwidth uh, in their phone than the the store environments do. So I think by opening that up for businesses and getting connectivity into the space, as Christian said earlier, I think the the possibilities right now are hard to predict because it just hasn't been there. It's been an obstacle for enabling services like ours uh, to come into the store. So I, I do think it will absolutely have a, a positive impact by expanding that beyond uh, the mobile handset. And and then the, the mobile handset, the, the 5G device, becomes a, a complement or an extension of the, the store's infrastructure to a certain extent, right? And like you said, for autonomous checkout, the, the device that the customer brings in is a, is a part of the experience and a key one to do um, you know, 
card on file, personalization, they understand who's in the store at, at what time. And, and things like intelligent video to facilitate that, knowing what I pick off off the shelf versus not, all are things that are going to require really super fast processing, all, like you said, super fast um, uh, bandwidth. And, and that really is a, a step change in how you think about the overall infrastructure of your business, where not just what's in the store itself, it's, it's what's around the store, what's in the customer's home. And we've got a 5G home broadband product. And so now you've got this proliferation of quality and secure infrastructure to enable these new use cases. We think it's not just uh, a small subset of retailers who can start to take advantage of those capabilities, but now it starts to scale even further with 5G. Well, a lot of the innovations we've talked about are what I would call kind of front of the house. So it lets the consumer, you know, find product information better, use voice, use AR, VR, those kinds of things, use cool screens. Um, but uh, I'm in the world of, uh, uh, you know, vehicles right now, and we're seeing just this, that the car is going to change more in the next 10 years than it has in the last 120. I'm really excited to hear, uh, maybe Christian, we'll start with you. Do you think this is going to help with last mile delivery? So, for example, there's a lot of really cool companies that are doing you know, general autonomous vehicles, but then you have companies like Starship that are doing like little sidewalk robots that can deliver things directly to your house through the sidewalk. And they have an autonomous, but with a an assisted driver kind of an element. And I imagine in a 4G world, that's really hard. And 5G, you, know, you can imagine someone wearing a VR screen and kind of being in the robot and driving it. Um, it's just, you know, my, my layman's kind of view of these things. Um, are you seeing a lot of interest in this kind of last mile delivery meets 5G? Yeah, look, I, I think autonomous, uh, be it for for vehicles, the the ones I trip over uh, over in uh, in Berkeley when you're they're delivering uh, students' lunches to each other, um, and and the ones that we've got in uh, in Verizon headquarters, shuttling people back and forth from the hotel to the the office, right? We we're we're very excited about where five G can go and help in that regard. One. The autonomous uh, vehicle itself across the spectrum of types is sending a massive amount of data um, back into uh, the, the sort of systems that go and control them, right? And so when we go and look at the combination of uh, the bandwidth there that's required and the edge processing that's just needed to be instantaneous, right? And, and this is where there's differences between, you know, someone getting potentially injured or, or not. And so... You know, we've done things like work and partner with the University of Michigan in a, a part of their um, uh, facility called uh, M-City, where we're testing out what does 5G uh, in an autonomous environment using edge start to mean and how can we start to prove out the technology. And, and I think there'll be a, a ways to go. And there's various um, levels of adoption across locations and geographies. But it's definitely something that we're super excited about and know that um, that. Uh, it's it's already out there, and we want to make sure that we're doing it right, and that's why we started testing in places like M-City and beyond to make sure that 5G is implemented the right way to help it happen faster. Cool. Michelle, any thoughts on last mile? No, I, I, I would say this, is that I think last mile is, you know, we've talked a lot about at the front of the house, but, you know, you think about the last mile, but also think a little bit further deeper in, in the impact that that has um, on a retailer. So think about, you know, their fulfillment distribution, um, but also think about their supply chain. And I think that that's where the benefits and, and when you think about all of the verticals, um, you know, I think kind of collaborating together, I think is where you really do see the value of it all coming together. So whether it's a smart manufacturer, you think about smart fulfillment distribution, 
Um, you think about, you know, the fulfillment aspect within a store, but then also think about the last mile. So I think where the value really kind of all comes together is when you look at this holistically and, and, and maybe not look at it in a very specific, um, you know, application or opportunity. But, you know, I think, you know, to Christian's point, I think there's tremendous opportunity. I think there's a lot of innovation that's going to, um, you know, that we're going to see over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. And, um, you know, whether it's in Michigan or whether it's, you know, anywhere in the world, I think we're really going to see um, the adoption and, and also just creativity around where, where do you insert this and how do you drive value for, um, you know, in this case for the retailers. That's awesome. Um, I want to pivot to the Q&A because we're starting to get some great questions. Uh, I will remind folks, though, that uh, we, we do have a Q&A. So if, if there's a burning question, feel free to, to hit it in there. Um, while, while they're typing questions, uh, side note, I have a, a five, I'm the father of a five-year-old. So I'm, I'm thrilled I'm not going to have to worry about him getting a driver's license, by the way. <laughs> that seems like the whole world will be safer because of that. Um, so the, the first question in the Q&A, I feel like we discussed this a little bit, but I'm curious if any of you have any supplemental thoughts. Um, how will 5G and IoT usher in the new post-COVID era of retail and what do we think the role of the the handset will be in in that experience? Do you guys envision a lot more AR VR components, uh, for example? Anyone care to to lobby for heavy VR in the store? Yeah, look, I, I think you know AR <laughs> AR and VR in the store. Actually, my one of my favorite things to do is put on a quest and walk around like uh, untethered, like I'm running around uh, with because people don't know that you can't you can see through it, right? Um, but I think there's there's going to be a balance, right? I think you see VR in certain scenarios being more relevant, and when folks can't get out of, outside of a home or a facility today, they're, they're going to need um, alternative methods to do things like training. Um, and so that's that's an opportunity where we see 5G playing a role, um, and then AR within the store again. That's a combination of um, employee and consumer engagement. And so an employee can have the benefit of accessing all the information that the enterprise has to, to add the context around uh, who, what do you want the experience to be for your consumer in the store? What does your uh, associate need to know about what's happening in the store or what's coming to the store next? AR and, and VR are definitely a big and interesting part. And the sort of blending of those two things together over time is, is also something that we're, we're super interested in. That That's a great point. One, uh, a version of that that's come up a lot in conversations with my clients is um, apparel fitment and in-store try-on, right? Like, so you think of cosmetics, nobody wants to try on the the public lipstick in the store anymore. And so like AR has really become the preferred way uh, to do in-store try-ons. And at the moment, not very many dressing rooms are open. And so, you know, uh, pe- uh, there, people are starting to deploy some pretty interesting technologies around measuring and virtual try-on of apparel. So um, it it could so be interesting. One, one, um, one example there, right, we, we've done a, a partnership with, uh, with Snap Inc., right? And so when you think about Snap, you think about things like augmented reality and lenses and things like that, but also original content to get back to the, the sort of content point from earlier. Um, you know, there, we partnered with Snap on a, on a series that's around makeup, right? And it's about makeup designers and creators. And as a component of that, you as a, a, a viewer or a consumer can can do some lenses that that bring those to life. So you're starting to bridge content in these new digital formats on Snap with things that are interactive to 
um, be similar to what you might do if you were in store trying them trying on the makeup yourself to, to your exact point. Cool. Here's a question uh, from uh, audience member. Uh, I think, I think people are pretty excited about this and then it kind of brings the natural question of, you know, A, what should retailers do today to kind of get ready for this 5G future? And then, you know, Christian, I'll hold your feet to the fire. When, when is this future going to be here? If we take the DeLorean or the, the hot tub forward, is it going to have to be like 10 years forward or when, when will it be here? It's here already. It's here now. It's here, <laughs> here years ago already. Um, but you know, like, like uh, somebody said, the, the, the future is here. It's just unevenly distributed. And so I think part of uh, what we're excited about is rolling out to, to more cities uh, throughout the end of the year for having 20 plus devices uh, in, in folks' hands this year. It's, it's coming. And, and really what we want to do is continue to articulate to, to businesses and retailers and, and consumers alike, here's what it means for you. And, and uh, we love the speed test. I love walking down uh, 7th Avenue in New York doing a speed test, but I'd rather show, hey, here's how um, you can learn um, or train your employee base in new ways or do different remote engagement over 5G using augmented reality in new ways. Those are the things that we get really, really excited about. And, and you'll see over the next couple of years, more devices, more places, but but more value created from it than you would expect from from years past. So that's that's really what we get excited about. It's here now. Um, it's up to the the folks who want to prepare their businesses for that future to start to craft the roadmap of what do you need to do today, and that includes so what is what is your sort of digital maturity um, on the current infrastructure, and how can you can start to to build into it as more folks including the infrastructures in physical places, start to evolve towards a 5G era. Uh, next, next question, which is uh, one near and dear to my heart. Uh, a lot of physical shopping and retail involves hands-on experiences. Like, In fact, I would argue we've spent the last 15 years taking everything out of product jail and putting it into the hands of, of customers. So you think of all those old glass cases. Now, of course, if you go shop in a Verizon store, you're going to you know, have easy access to every handset. Um, I assume consumers still like and want that experience, but how does that evolve um, in the post-COVID era where, you know, maybe there's some safety and health concerns? Any any thoughts about that? Yeah, I'll take this one. I, I think really what retailers are, are focused on is is how do they how do they provide that experience in the environment that, you know, post-COVID that we're we're all living in. And I think there's different variations. One is, is they always have to think of their employees and the safety of their employees and how do they ensure that, um, you know, that they're, they're, they're safe. And then I think they absolutely have to look at, um, you know, the consumer and how do they, how do they present? How do they serve, um, you know, their products in, in, in that environment? And in, in think about touchless, you know, checkout and things that, you know, you know, you talked about it earlier on in the call. Um, you know, it's just our mobile devices become, you know, the end all be all for for how we engage. And, and I think we see that taking, you know, a step further. But I think it's really about how to, you know, researching probably before you get to that a physical environment. Um, but then also being mindful of the fact that you have to keep your employees safe and comfortable while serving your customers. And then also being able to blend the two of those in creating a frictionless or, you know, touchless environment for, for all of them, quite frankly, to operate in. Very cool. Here's a question for you, Michelle. Um, what are you seeing retailers do to prepare for 5G? 
So I think Christian hit a little bit on this, but where we yeah. see customers is, you know, they, they know it, it's about planning. It's about executing a strategy, but it's first and foremost about creating a strategy that gets them to where they are today, to where they're going to need to be, whether it's, you know, 18, 24, three years from now, but it's really having that vision. And I, and I think it's, it, you know, we boil down into, um, you know, how, how are they going to adapt to their current environment? How are they going to, you know, elevate where they are today, whether it's their brand, their operational efficiencies, their cost efficiencies, you know, how do they drive innovation? And then I think the last piece that we've really been working with customers on is how do, how do they drive disruption? So I think if you look historically around technology and the influence that it has had in certain industries is that you see those disruptors. And I think that they, while they have their strategy and their journey to get from where they are today to where they know they want to go, I think that, you know, the key is, is how do they find the opportunity for them to, to disrupt? Um, and it kind of, you know, the other point that Rob made early on was, you know, finding other alternatives or other sources of revenue. I, I think they have to just think outside of their, their core competencies and look at the industry much bigger and much larger and think about innovation and also look for, um, you know, new channels of opportunity, whether that's revenue, whether it's, you know, distribution, whatever that might be. But they, they have to start now. There's there's fundamentally, if they don't, they're going to be behind. Um, and I think that they also have to recognize, um, you know, the return on the investment and make sure that they understand, um, you know, how they how they justify it. Because again, you know, any type of technology transformation um, has to come with a, a solid ROI. And, and one piece of advice from the trenches, I guess, you know, you don't have to tackle it all at once. Uh, right. you know, the entrepreneurial experience has, has retaught me again that finding a couple of use cases that look promising in terms of the outcomes you're trying to achieve, identifying a, a way to do that relatively a low cost uh, test or experiment. Uh, we, we've benefited tremendously from that over the last two years of, of trying some new solutions, getting in front of customers, understanding whether it looks promising or not, and, and getting that feedback back into our iterative cycle. And, and I think a lot of businesses should be thinking about approaching that in the context of 5G too. What, what would you do if bandwidth was not a constraint? What would you do differently with your customers? And, and then experimenting uh, to, to see if that outcome is, is actually achievable. Uh, Rob, that is going to be great advice, um, and that's probably going to be a great place to end it because all this talk of time machines, and we we have blown through an hour and used up all our allotted time. Uh, so, uh, Michelle, Rob, Christian, thank you so much uh, for taking time out today to talk to us and sharing all your insightful questions. Um, and for those of you uh, that are that are watching, uh, uh, feel free to um, watch the recap of this when it's available. Uh, Scott and I will publish it as a podcast as well. And uh, we certainly uh, would welcome you to, to check out the podcast if you haven't done so. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Scott, Jason. Until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 